Come, buy milk and wine without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Please pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we ask you, as we always do, to be here with us in this place this morning, and we trust that you are here. May my words be your words, and all of our thoughts your thoughts. We ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Please sit. The YMCA has gone through several iterations in my life. Like most people, I was introduced to the YMCA by a construction worker, a motorcycle cop, and an Indian chief, among other flamboyantly dressed characters. It's strange that all these years later, the Y has gone from being just a song that we all pretended to like at weddings and sporting events to now being just a gym for me and a a youth sports enterprise for my kids. The village people didn't tell me about any of that stuff. Of course, they also didn't tell me that the C in YMCA stands for Christian. It was the Young Men's Christian Association. Now, to be fair to the village people, and we always want to be fair to the village people, though the YMCA was started out of a Bible study with the express purpose of, quote, improving the spiritual condition of young men, there's almost nothing Christian about the YMCA anymore, not even ahem, a clergy discount. But there are vestiges of that letter C, the Christianity of the YMCA, at least here in Kentucky. One of the best is a wonderful sign that hangs on the wall of our local YMCA. It hangs over a water fountain. It's there to this day right now, and it says... Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. That's John chapter 4, verses 13 and 14, in which Jesus tells the woman at the well about true and eternal satisfaction in him. And there it hangs on the wall In the year 2020, the YMCA, I love it. And just by the way, it's true. I'm living proof that it's true. I've drunk from that water fountain. And guess what? I got thirsty again. That water fountain and the sign that hangs above it illustrate a profound truth. We have two potential sources of sustenance. Two potential paths to satisfaction. There is the water that the world offers, and there is Jesus. And only one will fulfill, only one will satisfy. In Isaiah 55, the prophet chastises the people for continually working and spending money to fill themselves full with things that cannot satisfy them, when true satisfaction is available for free. In fact, the prophet might say, as God's chosen people, true satisfaction is something that they already have. 
Thus says the Lord, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You that have no money, come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money, without price. Why, he asks, do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Now, we talked last week about status and about how so many of us spend our lives trying to gain status for ourselves. And satisfaction is just an internal version of status. When we seek status, we want to be impressive to other people. When we seek satisfaction, well, we just want to be at peace with ourselves. We want to feel like we are or have enough. But the problem is the same. There's no end to that quest. There is no enough. Ray Kroc, the uh, founder of McDonald's, ruined his marriage and his entire life in his zeal to franchise McDonald's restaurants all over the country in the 1960s. Having been an unsuccessful salesman for many years, he saw McDonald's franchising as a path to success and to the kind of satisfaction that he'd never enjoyed. But nothing was enough. He couldn't stop. He was never Satisfied, He traveled back and forth all over the country seeking satisfaction and never found it. He didn't really care if he was well-known or rich. He wanted to prove something to himself. He was looking for peace, but he never found it. His marriage fell apart. Friendships were ruined. He was involved in multiple vitriolic lawsuits, and he was never happy. There was no satisfaction. He was spending his money for that which was not bread and his labor for that which did not satisfy. And so often we are just like him. I've told you my couch story before, I think, how Aya and I moved into our first house and had such trouble finding a couch that fit our living room correctly. It's a silly story, but its silliness actually illustrates the foolish places we'll look for satisfaction. A couch! We looked and looked, and finally we found one that was perfect, and I was finally satisfied. Literally, on that day, I thought to myself, now everything is okay. And all was right with the world until the very next day when it rained so hard that our trunk of our car filled with water. It had some kind of leak in it. And all of a sudden it was having a trunk that worked properly that would make everything okay. And after we got that fixed, it was the next thing and the next thing and so on. And I've lived my life like that ever since, shifting my gaze forward from one thing to the next, promising myself that after this one more thing, I'll be satisfied. Then it will be enough. Then I'll be at peace. There have been a thousand little moments just like that one. Moments where I was sure that if I could just accomplish this, I'd be satisfied. That everything would be okay. We 
spend our money and our labor trying to accrue for ourselves the things we think will satisfy us. Affirmation, acclaim, even love. That next promotion, the next level of fame or notoriety, the next stage of influence and power, or even good things, right? A comfortable and safe family home, the perfect spouse or obedient children, Congratulations on a white life well lived. But like the water from the fountain at the YMCA, that kind of affirmation, that kind of acclaim, and that kind of love will always leave us thirsty again. There is only one source of living water. Water that wells up to eternal life. It is Jesus And in him, we have satisfaction already. In him, we have everything we need. In Matthew chapter 14, a great crowd has gathered to be near Jesus. It's the end of a long day and they're hungry. And when the disciples come to Jesus and suggest that the people be sent away to find something to eat, Jesus says, no, you feed them. And they reply, we don't have enough food. We only have five loaves and two fish. Translation, we can't do it. This won't satisfy them. It's not enough. And they're right. They don't have enough. And this is always the outcome of the world's attempt to satisfy And so Jesus shows the disciples a different way. Isaiah would have told them, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Jesus puts it more succinctly. Bring the bread and fish to me. Bring it to me. Don't try to go buy or to work for what you can get for free. There is Jesus. When the world says, we can't do it, this won't satisfy them, or it's not enough, we say, there is Jesus. In and on account of Him and Him alone. Are we satisfied? In our hands, five loaves and two fish remain five loaves and two fish. And yet, we constantly act as though by the sweat of our brow, we can make this work. We can make it enough. It will eventually satisfy. But of course, it doesn't work. It never works. The world is never enough. It never will be, and though, although we constantly act as if it could be, spending our money for that which is not bread, working for that which does not satisfy. We seek the affirmation, the acclaim, the love of the world when true affirmation and love is standing right in front of us in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Last week, we talked about it in terms of status. We 
desperately seek status of our own when it is in fact God's love, Jesus Christ himself, that wins for us the everlasting status of beloved child of Almighty God. Jesus' status given to you for free. Now, just like our quest for status, our quest for satisfaction, for affirmation, acclaim, and love can never be satisfied either. It can, though, be extinguished in Christ. The world's failure to satisfy leads us, hands full of five loaves and two fish, which is manifestly not enough, the world's Failure to satisfy leads us to turn to Jesus. Bring them here to me, he says. Though in our hands, five loaves and two fish just remains five loaves and two fish. Jesus was present when the world was spoken into existence with just a word. And so when Jesus blesses and breaks the loaves, The food multiplies and everyone is satisfied. Without money, without price, without work, all they had was their hunger. And now on account of Christ, they are satisfied. Now we sinners are members of that crowd. We are hungry. And like they probably were, we are looking around for something to satisfy our hunger. Because of our sin, we look to the world. We spend our money for that which is not bread and our labor for that which does not satisfy. We do it every day, seeking the affirmation and the love that the world cannot give. One of my favorite old quote, contemporary Christian songs, when I say contemporary, I mean like from the 90s, is a a song by a band called Third Day, and it's called Take My Life. It goes like this, just a little section. How many times have I turned away? The number is the same as the sand on the shore, but every time you've taken me back, and now I pray you do it once more. Please take from me my life when I don't have the strength to give it away to you. How many times have we turned to the world looking for something that would satisfy us? How many times have we promised ourselves that this thing or that thing would be the thing that finally made everything okay? The number is the same as the sand on the shore. But there is Jesus saving us from the hunger in which the world strands us, taking our lives when we don't have the strength to give them to him. Bring it to me, he says. And then he makes with a word enough to satisfy, becoming a wellspring of living water bubbling up to eternal life. 
So, what is there for hungry people like us to do? We admit our hunger for the first time or for the hundredth. We admit our tendency to try to feed ourselves for the first time or the hundredth. We confess our reliance on the world's bread and water and ask God to remind us that in Christ Jesus, he has already given us everything we could ever need for free. He has done this. It is finished. Come, he says, buy wine and milk without money and without price. I am here. Bring it to me. In a few minutes, you'll hear our offertory anthem this week, a song written by friends of mine, actually, uh, Zach Hicks and Julianne Vargas, a song called Come and Make Us Free. I'd like to close the sermon this morning with some of the words of that song. I'm addicted to the lie that my thirsty soul can be quenched by earth's supply, vainly seized by my control. Though I know that you alone have living water's richest store, oft you find me savoring droplets out of cisterns cracked and poor. All our hearts long for, we find in you, O Lord. Help us want you more than idols we adore. Give us eyes to see your matchless beauty. Shatter unbelief. Come and make us free. Let that be your prayer today. In fact, let us pray together. Remind us, O Lord, that we find in you all the longings of our hearts. Help us to want you, the one who satisfies more than the idols who can't. Give us eyes to see your matchless beauty. Shatter our unbelief and remind us that on account of Christ, you have made us free. Amen.